Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Today, SI's Brian Strauss joins me to talk about Liverpool's pulsating victory over Manchester City to end City's hopes of an undefeated Premier League season, Landon Donovan's surprise unretirement to join Mexico's León, and this week's United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia, also known as Tracksuit Woodstock. Onward! Now, as promised, Brian Strauss joins me from Washington, D.C. on this very cold January morning as we record. Brian, how are you, man? I'm tired. Uh, I was up most of the night with a stomach ache for reasons I can't uh, explain. I should probably stop eating cans of beans for dinner. <laughs> um, yeah. My life, man. You just gave me a stomach ache thinking about it. And then uh, and then like exhausted. Well, I'm nervous because, you know, we'll talk about this later, I, I presume. But I'm nervous about, you know, the, the coaches conventions coming up in Philly. And that, you know, that means sandwiches, right? I mean, that means, you know, cheese steaks and dinics and all that kind of stuff. And I, I want to be sandwich ready uh, for, for my time up in Philly. Um, but then also yesterday, like yesterday was like an insane sports day, wasn't it? I mean, it was, yeah. it was incredible. I mean, the. The, the Man City Liverpool game and then the two um, the two NFL playoff games. I mean, I was I was parked in front of my TV uh, for whatever it was, you know, um, you know, eight nine hours, um, just riveted and, and eating beans. So yeah. Well, I'm sorry about the stomach ache, but you are totally correct about uh, a great sports weekend. I would actually add Saturday as well. I got to watch the Eagles win an NFL playoff game that went down to the wire against Atlanta and the Arthur Blanks. In Philadelphia with Eagles fans, not in the stadium, but uh, uh, in a raucous location. Uh, And I think Eagles fans, who typically have been known as the angriest fans in the NFL, you know, booing Santa Claus and all that stuff, um, I kind of felt good for them. Were you in a bar? Like, what what kind of scene were you in? No, it was a house. Uh, But, uh, you know, pretty excited. So I was excited for them. My own team, Kansas City, had uh, wet the bed again as they always do in the playoffs under Andy Reid, former Eagles coach, uh, the week before. And um, so, you know, it was nice to feel good about football again. I was chased out of the seeding bowl at a Flyers game when I was in college. Um, I, this may have been at the old Spectrum. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm old. Um, but uh, the Flyers were playing the Capitals, and I went. And, of course, I'm you know wearing a Capitals shirt and being, you know, being an idiot. And there was a guy two or three rows in front of me, really, really big dude, um, who was screaming at me and turning around and shaking his fist and threatening and just like being out of control. 
and I didn't really know what to do because it was loud and I didn't know how to respond to him. So for whatever reason, I blew him a kiss. That, that was my response <laughs> to this guy. And he started climbing up the seats. He was like a few rows in front of me. He was cl- he didn't even go into the aisle and come around. He was climbing straight over the seats What'd to you come do? at me. I took off. Okay. I've always been Fair. fast enough to outrun anyone who could beat me up. So I, that's, I am, I am, I am a hundred percent flight. Um, so I bolted, uh, you know, Philly, Philly is a sports town like no other. And, um, you know, I've some, some very close friends who are longtime wounded Eagles fans. Um, and obviously you got to throw union fans into the mix. I mean, some of the stuff that's been going on on Twitter about sort of their, uh, <laughs> annual, uh, annual cold, cold stove league is really depressing. Um, so being, a, being a sports fan from Philly is no cakewalk. I actually had someone tweet me over the weekend about rice and bully in the Philadelphia Union, and I thought the statute of limitations had run out on that one. <laughs> Legend. I thought about one time writing an epic poem getting the names of every Philadelphia Union goalkeeper in it, and I thought that would be entertaining, but I couldn't find anything to rhyme with in bully. Stromboli. Ah, maybe. That's sort of an off rhyme. Italy. Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'm think about it more. I'm not even a very good writer. So there you go. <laughs> you did mention, by the way, Liverpool and Man City as part of this amazing weekend. Uh, and it was. Uh, this is one of the few games, I think, in soccer that had huge, huge expectations coming in and over-delivered on those expectations. 4-3 in the end. Liverpool wins. Uh, got a little hairy at the end because Liverpool was up 4-1 at one point. But... Why was it that this game delivered, over-delivered on expectations in your mind? Uh, it was great theater, right? I mean, part of what makes the Premier League awesome and, and, and makes it what it is, and even if it's not that, even when it's not technically the best league in the world, it's so frequently the, the most watchable and the most engaging, and I'm not saying anything new. Um, but, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, the speed, the narrative, um, the the just just the pace of of the game and the the packaging of the game and i don't mean that in a cynical way um but 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 you know you're 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 hearing you'll never walk alone and you're and you're you feel the 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 pulse of anfield when you're watching that game and the game is played at such an absurd speed um and i think in terms of over delivering i mean you have two coaches who who uh want to play a certain way and and obviously with a with a massive lead with a 15 point lead Pep Guardiola has the you know the luxury of 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 you know he doesn't have to to play conservative he's got a cushion but he's earned that cushion um and uh you know Liverpool is is going to play um you know Klopp style of soccer um, they're going to press they're going to be direct they're going to try to you know quickly get in behind they're going to come at you um and so you have two coaches who who have um a way of thinking about and seeing and playing the game um, that's going to perhaps, even when it shouldn't, eclipse uh, pragmatism or or, or caution. Um, and it just and then you've got the, the obvious talent on the field, and like I said, the atmosphere and and it was it was great. I mean, it was maybe that's why I have a stomachache. I mean, it was just watching it was just you know back and forth, you know, getting pounded for for 90 plus minutes. It was phenomenal. You know, I really appreciate both these coaches and their team's commitments to playing their styles. And I think we saw that totally. This was Liverpool playing pure, unadulterated Jurgen Klopp soccer. And that's how they scored the first goal uh, with Oxlade Chamberlain winning the ball, getting the ball in the opposing half. Uh, I think 
Were there any goals scored by Liverpool in which they didn't win the ball in Man City's half? Leading they, up they, to a lot, no, I th- they were all forced errors, I think. Um, you know, so so rather than sitting back and trying to win the ball, I mean, the difference between winning the ball forty yards from the City goal and sixty yards from the City goal was the difference in the game, and and Liverpool's ability to play very very quickly. I mean, they win the ball, and then the ball's played very quickly. Uh, you know, into that space, um, you know, b- between the city back four and Fernandinho and they were able to lay it off and move it. You know, you, you play the ball in, um, it's quickly laid off or one time to a player facing goal and the attacks on, um, and they just did it over and over and over again. And, 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 you know, it'll be interesting to see whether a, this is a, a blueprint that anyone perhaps in the champions league can follow. Cause obviously there, you know, there's not really a title race in England. Um, but, uh, but also whether this prompts, uh, Guardiola to per- perhaps think he may need some reinforcements at back. I mean, you know, Mendy, they signed Mendy and he did his knee right away. Um, but, you know, clearly, uh, you know, Stones and some of the other players and, and, um, and Oda Mendy, I mean, clearly they had, they had some, some of the yips uh, under that kind of pressure and with that kind of distribution. And that's something that a, a team in Europe uh, can, can match. Um, you know, it's really about winning the Champions League for Man City now and trying to sort of become uh one of the very, very first of the nouveau riche teams, I think, to really break through. I just find that really interesting that like in the Bosman era, whatever, mid-90s, whenever that was, 95, 96, you know, Dortmund won the Champions League right away. Um, and then other than that, it's still been the old guard other than Chelsea finally breaking through a few years ago. Um, you know, it's still the tried and true, you know, blue blood powers of Europe that win that tournament. So it would be really, really cool to see if maybe this can be a learning experience for Pep and City and, and uh, they can use it to, to get over the hump. I did think it was cool that both teams, I thought, especially Liverpool, played terrific. And they did so without some of their main guys. You know, Philippe Coutinho got sold, obviously, already to Barcelona. Uh, Virgil van Dijk on the bench with an injury. They just spent $100 million on him as a defender. And I thought Liverpool's defenders actually were pretty good in this game. They didn't have to do a ton of work. I don't think they're obviously in a good position at goalkeeper with either one of their goalkeepers. Karius gets the start, gets beaten near post on the first city goal by Sané. And yet I was just so impressed with the the whole team approach from Liverpool. And I think that front three, maybe individually those guys aren't on the level of Barcelona's front three or front two plus whoever plays with those guys. But together, they are such a good fit with Klopp's style. And in talking about Firmino, Salah, and... Uh, Sadio Mane. Mane. Mane was terrific. Great finish on the goal. I, you know, I, I just like the way those guys are playing as a unit. And maybe losing Coutinho won't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, I don't know how many times Liverpool can afford to give up three goals and, and win... And I don't know how many teams up 4-1 wouldn't have tried to shut up shop, and Liverpool didn't. It's just uh, not their nature. That, that yeah. Again, that's the wonderful kind of thing about it, is that both teams both teams were happy to sort of come into a game of this magnitude and under this kind of spotlight and just embrace who they were. Um, and and that's that's very cool. Uh, so, you know, it, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll catch shit for saying this, but kind of makes me wish there were playoffs, you know? Kind of makes me wish... You know, there was a there was a, a a game or a series down the line where it was where you know it was on the line for both teams and and um, you know we could kind of see if if Liverpool can do it again or if uh, if, if if City can learn from their mistakes. I, I think City visits Tottenham. I don't know if they have any other 
kind of really hairy games uh, in the run-in. Um, so like I said, for, for them, it's about, it's about the Champions League, and, and um, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to see if them or, or PSG, like I said, can sort of upset that, uh, that established order. Yeah, and, and I think we did see a way to play against City coming from Liverpool, but obviously you need to have the players that Liverpool has to be able to do it and to have them play about as good a game as they can play. I'd like to and see... It's, and it's not, a flip, it's not a switch you can flip. I mean, Liverpool, that's the way Klopp plays, right? That's the way they probably they probably train that way. They, they, they sure. study film and, 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 and everything they do tactically... Um, in order to create sort of the instincts and the and the and the mental and muscle memory required to make those kinds of really really quick decisions to see pressing triggers, um, you know, deciding so again the, those quick balls played in, in into that gap between the back four and the midfield and laying those off and getting guys in behind and getting guys facing goal. That stuff requires so much time on the training ground, and so a team that doesn't do that week in week out, they're not. That's not a switch you can flip and, and, and go up against. Uh, a, a team like Man City, so I, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anyone else who can replicate that. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, you know, it, now, now that they've lost the the unbeaten, uh, you know, now that they won't match Arsenal or the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the, the league season is kind of over, right? I mean, they, they, they're yeah. gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna win it in a walk, and I guess we've got, you know, the Champions League battles, and and you know, I've said before, I love, I love me some Arsenal angst. Um, but other than that, it's uh, it's about Europe now. You mentioned the potential of playoffs. A high-ranking U.S. soccer executive, I, I may have told you this at one point, he is convinced, he told me, that the leagues in Europe, including the Premier League, should have the first and second place teams play in a final for the league title at the end of the year. And given how often the league titles decided long before the end of the season, I'm kind of starting to be with him on that. And I wonder what your thoughts are. People hate change. So obviously right now, you know, there, there's, you know, listeners are screaming and, you know, driving their cars into light poles and um, <laughs> kicking dogs on the street if they're running. Sorry. Uh, so um, I love, I've, I've said before, I love playoffs. Um, I've played in leagues that have had playoffs and leagues that didn't, and 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 the the tension of a of a of a playoff game, the mental demands of a playoff game, um, are like nothing else. Um, and I think it. I've written this many times. A, a playoff tests. Th- I mean, that was what was so fascinating about the NFL playoff games. I mean, look look to see the way players and coaches react under severe emotional, mental distress and duress. Right. Um, the decisions that are made on fourth and ones late in playoff games, uh, you know, the guy from the Saints missing the tackle. I mean, the, the way that kind of pressure um, changes almost your 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 performance on a on a metabolic level, I, I find fascinating. Um, at the same time, our leagues in this country, where we're used to having playoffs, are engineered to have some kind of parity, right? So there's some question, you know, I, the Capitals have finished above. I'm going to bitch about the Caps again. They finish <laughs> above the Penguins all the time. But no, none of us think we're anywhere near the Penguins. They prove it to us every time that when, when the games really matter, they're better. Um, and so regular seasons are handled a bit differently here. In Europe, where you have in – in, in, the, in the big leagues, where you have teams running away, when you have teams with double-digit point leads, with massive goal differences, who maybe lose once or twice a season, because there's no parity, it seems strange to me to ask a team that's that dominant 
um, to do a little bit extra. If, if you win, if you're, if you're two or three games or points ahead, okay, I can see having a final. I can see having both teams with everything on the line against each other in that kind of crucible. But when you're 20 points ahead, like you shouldn't have to do that. You know, you're clearly, clearly the deserving champion. So all of that takes me back to, I don't know. Okay. Fair. I, I, I just feel like the problem is, is that they're 20 points ahead and it's that way in England. It's that way in France. It's that way in Germany. Barcelona's gone. Barcelona's it's, it's that way in Spain. Yeah. And, you know, among the major leagues in Europe, only Italy is kind of close and, it may not be closed for that much longer. I don't know. It's, but they seem to like it, right? I mean, who is it? Who is it for us? I mean, they, they. If you were to raise it to a to a, if you were to raise this question to a local, if you were to go to any of these countries and, and ask them if they'd want this, they they'd laugh in your face. They'd yeah, they, they would. They, they 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 want nothing to do with it. So they're happy with this. They you know we look at it and we say, wow, you know, it's uh, it's it's early January and four of the top five leagues in Europe are over. That must suck. And they're like, no, it doesn't. It's great. We love it. You know, we're, we've got other races. We've got other things to play for. We're good. Thanks. Yeah. And so that's kind of the end of the conversation for me. No, that's probably a fair point. I, a few years ago, I tweeted that maybe they should hold the UEFA Champions League final in New York. And the response I got was so nasty from basically every European in the world. Well, Twitter says you're a horrible person. <laughs> And you too, Brian. You too. No, no. I get all of my I get all of my my validation and self esteem from social media. <laughs> Moving on, we got other stuff to talk about here, and one of those things is Landon Donovan deciding to sign with Leon. That's in what Mexico. else I did this weekend. That's what I that's what I spent Saturday doing was doing what trying to trying to wrap my head around that and writing about it and just pondering the. I don't even know what the word is. It's insane. It's incredible. It's, it's, I'm, I'm baffled and fascinated. And, uh, I guess it's unveiling. We're recording this Monday morning. I guess it's unveiling in, in, in Leon is tonight. Um, we think as long as this is just still not a huge send up, we, we, we think this is real. So, well, I mean, to fill everyone in, Donovan is 35. So it's not like he's ancient. He, he did retire for the first time at the age of 32, which is awfully young for someone of his talent. Uh, he came back two years ago out of retirement to finish the season with the Galaxy. Kind of meh in terms of how he played and how the only Galaxy. Couple, it's only a couple months, though. I mean, he really wasn't. I mean, I had to look. I had to. I had to look that up when I was writing. I was like, oh wow, was that like half a season? No, he was only. He was only active right. for two months, so it was really, really brief. Barely a cup of coffee. Yeah, and then last year he almost signed with Rail Salt Lake. Yep, which was a legit interest. I'm still mm-hmm. not quite sure how that fell apart, and so. I guess it's just a little weird. I don't know what to expect here. I'm, I'm certainly expecting he's getting paid a ton of money. So congratulations on that, Landon. I don't know if they expect him to be a 90-minute player because I don't know what kind of shape he's in. You know, and I don't, like I don't think they should be expecting him to be scoring a ton of goals either. I we'll have to wait and see what he shows on the field. I mean, clearly he must have an interest in playing the game still, and must not be overly concerned about legacies and things like that which i think is great i hope he has fun he owe, he owes nobody nothing is that even english grammar he he, <laughs> he owes us he owes us nothing um if he wants to do this and have fun and he finds someone who wants to willing to pay him to do whatever whether it's a 90 minute a, he's he, not only is he 35 i mean he's he's a few weeks from 36 i think i think right. his birthday's March. so um 
So he he's at an age when most guys are walking away. Now, granted, he's he's got less mileage on the on the wheels after after essentially three years off. Um, but he's been, you know, he he he's had two kids. He he's been working with the the uh, you know the San Diego MLS expansion bid. Um, I, I I figured on Saturday he was getting a million texts, and I and I'm I'm not like one of my weaknesses sometimes as a reporter is that I'm not like super super relentless. And I, I don't want to bother people. I feel bad. Right. So I'm like, I'm sitting there like psyching myself self out about texting Landon because I'm like, everybody's texting Landon right now. Landon's got 800 texts right now. And I, and I feel bad about piling on. So I, I tried to make mine a little, but I had to like, like Avi, our editor was like, you know, ask Landon what the hell's going on. Right. So I had to. And I, uh, so I asked, I tried to come up with something different. So I rattled off a bunch of questions and they were things like, you know, <laughs> is Leon paying a transfer fee to footy McFooty face, you know, and, and, um, am I going to have to start watching league MX and what are you doing? You know, that kind of stuff. And, and he wrote back like he did, he wrote back and, and I appreciated. And of course he was just, you know, I can't really, I'm not ready to speak publicly on it. Uh, uh-huh. but he, he said it would be interesting. So, uh, he is always interesting. The guy is, the guy is compelling he, 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 you know, I remember when he retired and we all wrote sort of a little bit of a personal essay on what it was like to cover Landon. And I wrote about sort of the idea of the inhale and how Landon was, was the one player, the one American soccer player who every time he got the ball, every time he was facing up against a defender, every time he had a little bit of room in front of him, you knew he could change a game. You knew something spectacular could happen. And, and, and and now obviously now we have a a second player capable of that in, in, in Pulisic, but, but for, for many, many, many years, Landon was the first guy we'd seen who could do that. And to me, that's the best thing about sports. That's it right there. That feeling of, of, of breathless anticipation and knowing like everything could change right now. Um, Landon, Landon just delivers that. And, and, you know, some people love him, some people he rubs the wrong way. Um, he's obviously made some choices over, over his career that have been confusing. Um, but the guy is must see TV and I'm going to watch, like I, I, I am absolutely curious to see how he's going to do. Um, and in terms of his legacy, I hope he doesn't care. I, I, I think his legacy, the only thing I think that could impact his legacy now is Pulisic. That's it. Hmm. I mean, Landon is either the best American player of all time, um, or at some point it will be Pulisic, if, you know, assuming Pulisic continues on this trajectory. Um, and that's it. I mean, I, Landon has nothing else to, to do or to prove himself, I don't think. Um, and so if he's going to, if he's on ready for an adventure and he is ready to have a good time and, and, you know, try this out, I think it's awesome. Yeah. The only text I got from Landon was a uh, lion emoji, which I guess Leon is lion. So I, I told him I appreciated the um, communication. We actually tried to get him on the uh, the SI Planet Football video show for Tuesday, but he said he was going to be traveling. So I'm curious to <laughs> see you what the story is there. Well, I but, wonder if this means, I mean, he's also, and this is germane to you, I mean, he, he's also part of the Fox team like you are that, that, that that's scheduled to be in Russia. So is that, you know, that, that that's interesting to me as well, that, that how does that affect or does it affect his work as a, as a broadcast guy, now that he seems to be enjoying that, I mean, he was going to be part of the main Fox booth at the World Cup with John Strong and Stu Holden. Um, so he's got a lot of balls in the air, right? He, he was toying with the idea of running for U.S. soccer president. Well, that's part uh, of it, too. I mean, like, I interviewed him. I r- broke it the news when he was considering running for U.S. soccer president and then interviewed Donovan for Sports Illustrated after he decided not to run. And 
he talked at length about, I think I finally decided what I want to be doing. And that's been up in the air for several years, obviously, and obviously it's still up in the air. But he said he had decided that he was going to work in youth development. Right. And here he is coming out of retirement again. So I, I do think there's a bit of a quest as so many athletes go through after they're done playing of what what do I do next? Yeah, who and, am I? Yeah. And because yeah, he's Lands and Donovan, he's going to have a lot of opportunities, including media, which he's done. But I'm curious to see what he ends up doing long term. Uh, because we still don't totally know yet. And coming back to play, as long as you're still capable of doing it, I think is great, but also kind of delays that reckoning even more. It does. I, I and I am all for delaying reckoning. I would I would <laughs> delay reckoning every single time I have the chance to. So so props to LB. Um, I uh, and I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> no, I, well, I was going to say that one of the things he he I, I spoke to him uh, last year sometime, late spring maybe, about the San Diego MLS bid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was not a, a – this was not a cosmetic uh, investment for him. That This was not something where he was putting in a token amount of money to sort of be the marketing face of this effort. He was involved and, mm-hmm. and, and, and he was going to be involved with the club and he was really excited about the idea. He talked at length about sort of the youth scene – in Southern California and the San Diego area in particular and sort of how, how it wasn't, it didn't have a direction. It didn't have a focus. Um, and, and he was so intrigued by the idea of, of getting his hands dirty in that and, 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 and working, you know, being a, being a technical executive with the club Mm -hmm. and being, you know, helping direct that stuff. And he seemed really energized by it. Um, so maybe playing a year for Leon or six months for Leon doesn't stop him from doing that. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a vote, there's a, a footy McFooty face referendum supposedly in November, I guess, in San Diego, and so he can he can spend 2018 with 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 uh, you know scratching that last little itch, um, and then maybe San Diego gets gets their MLS team and and he can throw himself into that. Um, but he, yeah, he does seem he does seem excited by things, and then he seems excited by the thing next to it, you know. So uh, <laughs> I guess it's good that he's excited by stuff. By the, um, by the way, just for a second for our listeners, could you explain what the hell footy McFooty face is? I, every single one of our listeners has a deep, <laughs> enduring bond with Footy McFooty Face. I don't. I don't need to. It is a. Um, it is an absurd. Uh, oh my god! I mean, this this will take half the podcast. It was an. It was an April Fool's Day joke that they were going to name the team Footy McFooty Face after Bodie McBoatface. And they have a big foot with teeth in the middle, which looks extraordinarily painful. And they have T-shirts. And it's a big thing they're doing in San Diego. And they've now turned it, to their credit, they've turned sort of what was a goofy joke and a cartoon and whatever um, into uh, they have some charity initiatives and some you know youth soccer. And, and I'm going to get this wrong, but I think they're doing stuff with the local YMCAs and stuff like that. And Landon and, and Nick Stone, who, who's, who's one of the investors, um, and those guys are actually kind of turning the absurdity into something that's kind of fun and um, and it, yeah, it's the dumbest thing ever. And it's really hilarious. And, and they had fun with it, but, um, but yeah, Landon, Landon seems to, he wants to have fun with lots of different things. And, and, um, you know, it, I think it's great that he's wearing number 20. I just think that's hysterical that he's going to be running around a field in Mexico in a green Jersey with Dawson zero on the back. And, and, uh, he's always had that little bit of, uh, he likes to troll a little bit. He's always had that little bit of his personality and I think it's awesome. Cool. 
Um, one other important thing going on this week is the annual coaches convention, the national coaches convention, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, this year. And it's about like a four day thing starting Wednesday, going through Saturday or Sunday. And it used to be called the NSCAA, an acronym, which I thought was really long. And I think they realized that was the case. And now they're rebranded to United Soccer Coaches Convention. And it's literally thousands and thousands of coaches from all levels descending on Philadelphia and the convention center and a lot of sweatsuits. Track pant Woodstock. <laughs> Track and pant sandwiches. Woodstock, yes. Sandwiches. What does your thing of sandwiches? Are you talking about cheese steaks? Cheese steaks and, and then the when you go to Reading Terminal Market, which is right across oh, from the convention that's true. center, you get the, the Dinnick's pork. Yeah, sandwich. I went. To, I went to. I went to college in in Philadelphia, and and uh, I enjoy a sandwich. That's... So I've got to get through this little stomach bug over the next few days, um, so I can you know walk around the convention center uh, with you know cheese hanging off my face. Now, one thing that also happens uh, at the coaches' convention is the MLS draft, and I remember a couple of years ago when Patrick Vieira was in his first year with NYCFC, and I saw him walking through Baltimore. It was that year, and I was dying to know what Patrick Vieira was thinking in his mind about the thousands and thousands of track pant Woodstock coaches that he was encountering, and whether that had changed his view on soccer in America at all. Wait, so did, were you able to ask him this or was it just a, a, a pondering thing? I saw him from a distance. I didn't have a chance to ask him. And then the okay. next time I saw him, I didn't ask him. He did seem to, he did seem to be, I think I spoke to him briefly that, uh, that day. And I, and he, he did seem to be unlike perhaps the, uh, the stereotype would be, or the fear would be that a guy from abroad, a, a legend is not going to want to throw himself into the, the minutia of MLS player acquisition mechanisms. He seemed totally into it on that <laughs> level. Um, so I remember him saying that, that he was like throwing himself into learning all that stuff. Um, I don't remember him saying anything about the scene. It is an incredible scene. Um, and, and obviously the other thing they have, in addition to all the seminars and the, the workshops, the meetings, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, there's also the convention floor where they have all the exhibitors and the, and the booths and, you know, you'll, you you know, your, your kid will never be able to track a, trap a ball to save his life unless you buy, you know, this ball that's, you know, an octagon and made of Velcro, whatever. Um, but they have the, all of the different scarf manufacturers always come. And so in addition to my professional responsibilities and my sandwich eating responsibilities, um, I like to hover creepily around the scarf <laughs> and hope these people will talk to me. Um, what do you want to know from? They... They don't want to talk to me. This is what I've learned. It's really depressing. Like I'm, I'm essentially, um, you know, I'm sort of a, a like on the soccer scarf collecting scene. Like there aren't many of us, right? Yeah. And so you would think there might be some interest in chatting, and and certainly I I want to buy their scarves, and they they usually just kind of blow me off. It's kind of depressing. I even sent an email to a to a couple of. Uh, a few years back, I sent an email to one of the proprietors of one of the scarf companies and they didn't even respond. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, like I have, I, I have 250 scarves and, you know, 20 times the Twitter following that you do, like, like engage me, you know, and they just don't care. It's really depressing. I found this to be very similar. Well, scarves and poodles. We were thinking of getting a poodle several years ago and went to a poodle dog show 
and tried to ask questions of the poodle owners and like they did not want to speak to us at all. <laughs> you weren't you weren't anointed, like you weren't in the poodle. You you hadn't proven yourselves worthy. I mean, these folks made the people in best in show look <laughs> like you know, Shakespearean actors. I mean, like it was unbelievable. I was on the Maryland Eastern Shore. We eventually got poodles anyway without their help. You got the last laugh because you now have two poodles. True. But uh, yeah, maybe it's these like subcultures, man. I mean, like, and I will say, like, there's some pretty big names who are going to be at this convention this week. Yep. Uh, Vicente del Bosque, World Cup winning coach for Spain, is going to be there. A lot of uh, I all every MLS team obviously will be there with uh, their coaches and GMs and some owners. You know, you're going to have uh, a lot of U.S. soccer presidential candidates. There's actually going to be a debate. I think maybe the only one that's happening uh, ahead of the election. All eight candidates on Saturday afternoon. Uh, J.P. Delacamera will be moderating that for U.S. youth soccer. So I'm excited to see that. And if you want to come and see me, I'll be there being interviewed by Lexi Lawless on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Uh, at the convention, uh, kind of turning the tables. Uh, Alexi graciously uh, agreed to interview me about my upcoming book and soccer situation in the United States. A lot going on, obviously, these days. So I'm really looking forward are you to up that. Against, are you up against any, like, powerhouses? Like, like I know, like, Thierry Henry. And, like, are you... Are you, is your session with Alexi at the same time as like, you know? Thankfully, no. I, I, Diego Maradona? I, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's some crazy global celebrity guest going on at the same time. So That's, that's critical. Uh, okay. So that is good. All eight candidates are going to be there. Each one is speaking for an hour by themselves or they're being interviewed in front of uh, conventioneers. Uh, so we'll actually get to hear from Hope Solo for maybe the first time publicly since she announced she was running, aside from some of her own social media posts. Sunil Gulati is going to be interviewed also by Alexi Lalas on Thursday, I think at 1 p.m. maybe. And I'm curious to see, Alexi's a good interviewer, and, I, and I'm curious to see what sort of things he draws out of Sunil uh, and whether that will include bitterness or uh, trying to sort of reframe the story a little bit connected to him or or what exactly i don't know i'm gonna put my money on defiance grant bitterness defiance the i'm going with defiance is alexi like is alexi prepping you at all do you have any idea what's coming i mean i, I maybe maybe, maybe general topics i mean is he gonna is he gonna start asking you questions about who's funding you like like what are you <laughs> what are you up against i mean knowing alexi you guys are colleagues like he you, likes you guys have known each other forever and you work exactly. together with fox so alexi likes not to throw you under the bus he likes to ask provocative questions and i think that's yeah. great uh it makes for a fun conversation um of all the ex-jocks i've worked with in soccer and there's a, a lot of them who are very good at their jobs of being analysts and such alexi works extremely hard to be on top of the news and he obviously likes to be provocative, but he wants to ask good questions. And I can really appreciate that because I think sometimes the temptation for ex-jocks in any sport is to sort of think they can show up and and do this analyst thing. And Alexi, more than any other ex-player, uh, except maybe Julie Foudy, um, has really shown... I mean, he didn't go to journalism school, but it's like he's gone to a journalism school. He's really worked at it, and I think that's pretty cool. 
I apologize for the music there. For some reason, my uh, Premier League standings page suddenly started playing like some kind of glam song. I apologize. Um, no, I have a lot. I've, I, you know how I feel about TV, right? I mean, I, I detest being on television. I'm terrified of it. Um, I'm sure you remember with some fondness the calls up to my room in Brazil to try to get me to come down and do our videos. <laughs> and I would come up with all kinds of excuses about, you know, what I was feeling or what I had done or what I was busy with or what sort of ailments I had that was going to prevent me from coming down. So, I mean, any, anyone who can get up in front of a camera and not, you know, not pee themselves, uh, has my respect. And, and yeah, I agree. He's, he's a bright guy. And, and uh, sometimes, sometimes there, obviously there's an act with him, right? I mean, he's playing a character sometimes. Right. Um, uh, but other times, yeah, he's bright and insightful and, uh, I'm looking forward to eating a cheesesteak in the corner and watching him grill your ass. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm so that'll be, uh, that'll be cool. It's, it's a fun, I like the convention uh, in addition to, to, gawking at the track pants and, and the scarves I, I like it because i enjoy the 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 the, the tactical and, and 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 training session kind of seminars I, you know you always learn something um i even remember i think when i was a really little kid i remember playing as part of one of the youth the the, the demonstrations I, I have a memory of playing soccer on a carpet in like a ballroom when i was when i was younger like you know coaches are running through drills to show other coaches um and uh and, and, and it's, it's a group of people who want to get better. You know, it's a group of people who want to learn more about the game and want to do a better job and want to grow the game. So it's a cool, it's a cool scene. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of anger out there in the U S soccer community still about missing out on the world cup, but, uh, I don't think that's going to necessarily be the dominant vibe in Philadelphia. I like getting together in this big convention just to realize how many soccer people there are in the U S uh, who are committing their, their work lives to the game. And I really enjoy talking to folks and I don't think it's necessarily just going to be a bunch of people braying at the moon, you know? Um, That's the difference. You probably can't walk. See, I, we've talked about this before. I, no one recognizes me because I'm, <laughs> you know, I don't look like anyone. Um, but you probably can't walk six feet in those things without somebody stopping you. Right. Um, I, it's maybe not quite that often. Okay. You know, if your Thierry Henry is going to be there interviewing Kyle Martino, I'm very curious to see what Thierry Henry's strategy is going to be to uh, negotiate being around 7,000, 8,000 oh, soccer yeah. people. Yeah, it's got to be crazy. Well, good luck with the uh, interview and presentation with Alexi. Sell some books and I'll eat some sandwiches. Awesome. Good talking to you, man. We'll do it next week. All righty. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the new 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available for free now on SI.com. Recent guests include Christian Pulisic, Yuri Jorkaev, Julie Foudy, and Andres Kantor. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. 
Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.